With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, what up? Welcome in. This is All Ball. We're live in Las Vegas at the site of NBA Con. NBA Con, which is interesting, right? Because I think, and I know it's a conference. That's the idea behind it, right? But it feels... Like this is all, hey, Comic-Con was a really good idea, very successful. What if we did NBA Con? And does the con, should Comic-Con have trademarked the con part to their name, right? It's like every scandal is now a gate, right? That all comes from the Watergate scandal, even though that was actually the name of the Watergate Hotel that was broken into. Uh, This is Comic-Con. Anyway, this is NBA Con. So the idea behind it, and this is the first ever NBA con is, look, NBA team, executives, players, veterans, stars, and of course the rookies and second years and guys trying to make the league. Since the NBA moved the summer league here about a decade ago, it's become the hub. And and here's the weird thing. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know this because you know me. I grew up in Southern California. I was a hooper and the way AAU high school, middle school hoops used to work was uh, there was a big Easter tournament here. It was called the May West, I believe it was. May West uh, Easter Invitational. Huge tournament. And then, gosh, I forget who. Then there was the Nike National Championship was here in July at the North and South Gym at UNLV. So uh, UNLV has Thomas and Mac, which opened in, I think, the late 80s, mid to late 80s. Uh, they used to play at the convention center, a 5,000 seat building right next to uh, the Las Vegas Hilton. They moved to Thomas and Mac, but on campus where they practiced, again, this is before they built the practice facility, and there's actually the practice facility, which has multiple courts. They have two arenas over at Vegas. That's why it's a great site for uh, the Summer League, because the Summer League used to be in at Long Beach State. Before that, it was at Loyola Marymount, then at, we had Gersten Pavilion, then it was at the Pyramid. When I played for the Lakers, it was at the Pyramid in Long Beach, and then I think a little over a decade ago, it moved here. And it made sense because USA Basketball would have their practices here. They play an exhibition game here. It's Vegas in the summer, and though it's ungodly hot, at least it gives you some other stuff to do. And most Hoopers had always been coming here because though the spring stuff was more West Coast-based and the early summer stuff was West Coast-based, July was when all the national AAU tournaments were in, in Las Vegas. So um, I think it's, uh, it's been a great idea. And then this is like, hey, everybody's here anyway. Let's kind of formalize it and make it a convention. And that's always been one of the things that NBA people have, I don't know if you want to, idolized or really liked about the Final Four. Like what you don't know about the Final Four is the Final Four is actually the convention for college basketball coaches. So, and you also have all-star games and 
So the NBA just took bits of the, oh, Comic-Con's a great idea, Final Four's a great idea. The NFL doesn't really have this, although I'm sure they're going to copy it. The NFL draft is the one that everybody points to, but really it's, I think it's the combine that they want to make into their own convention. So the NBA has decided, hey, let's make a convention. And the peak moment for the convention, for NBA Con, is not necessarily me broadcasting, it's Victor Webinyama. We got to see him in a quasi-NBA uniform last night on the court at Thomas & Mack. We also saw, uh, you know, Brandon Miller. We also, we, we got a chance to see uh, Scoot play, Scoot Henderson, who was the number three picks. We saw the number one and number two picks play against one another. And then the number three pick play, and of course he hurt his shoulder, which did look like a legit injury. Don't know if he plays today. Let, let's start with Victor Webinyama. I think it's safe to say that we were underwhelmed, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and go like, hey, he's 19, he just got off the plane, and he stinks, get rid of him, send him back, Spurs got a bust. I mean, there's, there's definitely going to be shows on television where people are going to raise their voices and say, he's terrible, he's horrible. This is, these are the same shows who I heard people say, legitimate people who follow the sport, who vote on all-star games and, and MVPs say he's going to be an all-star this year. And you're like, yo, do you know? Here's the thing. Okay? And I, I learned this the old-fashioned way. I was a really, really good player. I was an All-American in high school. I was a really good player in college. The jump from high school to college is big. The jump from college to pro is so gigantic, you cannot possibly understand how difficult and different it is. And then you factor in, he wasn't actually playing against pros last night, right? There are 450 NBA players in the entire solar system, 450. There are 8 billion people on earth, there are 450 NBA players. So the jump is gigantic. Um, and it's really important to point out that like, your, what is your default setting? Maybe this is the best way of explaining it. What is your default setting, right? And your default setting is whatever you've done your whole life. You know, we all try and grow and improve, but at some point, you go back to your default, right? As, as a radio host, you know, and a TV personality, like, look, I know a lot about football. I played it growing up. I do my best to stay engaged with GMs and front office people, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I have great friends that are baseball agents, baseball players, former baseball players. Of course, I played baseball up until high school as a kid. My son played baseball for a long time at a, at a pretty high level for a little kid. So I love baseball. But my default is the basketball. And having played basketball in America for, I'm 47, so this is, I don't know, 40 years? Uh, my default is like, I know what American basketball feels like, plays like. And by the way, most, most conversations in my brain, it's like if you ever learn a different language, you think, you still think in English, right? Like if, and native Spanish speakers will tell you like they speak Spanish, but they think, they speak English, but they think in Spanish. For Victor Webinyama, I don't know if you want to say he's thinking in French or his default is French basketball or international basketball. It is a different sport. It, it is a, FIBA basketball is so different, it's really hard to articulate. Um, 
So most of the rules are the same, but the way they're officiated are different. Uh, and, and I don't think the Spurs, I don't think they did wrong by him, but I'm not sure you did right by him in how they did it, right? He said he hadn't practiced with him. He hadn't really practiced with him, hadn't really worked out with him. He didn't really know what he was doing. And then it gets back to your default, right? And I love the fact that he was like, yeah, I didn't play that well, but at least we, you know, we won. So his default is like, you know, you play to win. Look, NBA Summer League, and my default was, you know, play to win as well. I learned the hard way with, you play with the Lakers. This is in 19, oh, 2000 and one NBA Summer League. Like I came in, my first game, I came in, we're playing the Grizzlies. It's like a Wednesday night Snoop Dogg's there. And, you know, I got in like end of the second quarter and I'd never in my life, I'd never sat for 45 minutes and then had like two minutes to kind of prove myself. And one, I threw an alley-oop to Devin George. Remember the former Laker, Devin George? Threw an alley-oop to Devin George, which I was sure was a dunk. I was like Steph Curry shooting a three, running back the other way, and it got deflected because in basketball, you don't get longer, everybody else does. Right? The windows when you're making passes or the time you have to take a shot, it just closes up so much more quickly. So I saw him, it's open, I delivered the ball on time, on target, and it got deflected. So I learned, one, that... These dudes are incredible. Even the guys that barely play, and Devin George, Slava Medvedenko, they were all on the, they were on the team. Like those dudes didn't play that much on the Lakers. They were incredible. Their level was so much higher than everybody else. They had so much better pace and understanding of where to be and how to play and where to stand and how to defend and how to stay out of trouble and whatever. But the other part to it is, I remember going in at halftime, and I had taken one shot, I had one assist, and I had, and that's really it in like two minutes of work. And I was like, "Hey, I was doing the plus-minus thing. Like my plus-minus is we'd done well." And one of the assistant coaches grabbed me at the time. He's like, "Hey, dude, you don't have a lot of time. You got to get in there and do work." All right, everything is, and what you learn is, those are shark-infested waters. Like, we're watching to watch Victor Webinyama. Every dude on the Charlotte Hornets is like, I want to kill Victor Webinyama. Why not? That, that's how, that's the, ba that's, you want Mamba mentality, that's basketball mentality. And it's not just the NBA team you're playing for. Like, you're not just playing to make the Hornets. You're playing to get invited to play in, on anybody's, uh, in anybody's training camp. You know, to get a two-way. Or... Every high-powered, high-paying uh, overseas roster, everyone, those, those teams, they're all here. They're all here. And they pay lots of money. And so you got to go in and do work. And so as much as Victor Webinyama is probably used to, one, being the guy in his French team, two, running sets, the ball moving around, playing French-style basketball, his default is to how they play disorganized basketball in France. It ain't how we play disorganized basketball here. Like here it is attack, 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 attack. There it's move it, move it, move it, move it, move it. You know, ball screen, attack, open guy, get it. Right, kind of stay out of trouble a little bit. If you're open, shoot the ball. If not, move it, let somebody else. That ain't how we play here. And he was exhausted and he was by his own accounts lost. And he looked, he looked bad, bad. Now those things can get adjusted. You know, where you run a couple things to where he, hey, where do you want to get the ball? I want to get the ball here on the wing. 
on a pick and pop. I want to get the ball here on a, you know, catching on a zoom or handing off on a zoom. The parts that were, I think, a little distressing to me are one, I didn't see great hands. And hands are like, you know, the old definition of pornography, you know, it, can't find it, you know it when you see it. That's hands, right? Like, watch Jokic play in the finals. And obviously, he's got incredible hands. But, like, the ball goes up. There's three or four dudes that jump higher than him to get, to get a rebound. And somehow, he just got, got the ball, and he's dribbling down the court. Like, how do you do that? He's got great hands. Guys that have great hands have it. Guys that don't, don't. And you can improve, but you don't. It's not really something you can fix or teach. He didn't seem to have great hands. That was a little troubling. And then, look, he's way thin, okay? And he can tell you all this bull about, well, you know, I, I don't want to gain bulk. I just want, like, you know, he wants functional strength. That's great, okay? He was getting ragdolled. It's not that you get ragdolled by stronger guys. That's going to happen. He's 19. He hasn't played this sort of physicality. It was that when he got the ball in the post a couple of times, he didn't look good. You know, like... Dude gets into, excuse my language, but he gets, guys get into their shit. They get the ball, they take a peek for the double, and they get into something. He just kind of like jumped up in midair and tried to throw it in. He, he very much looked like a guy who did not have a defined or refined post game. And as much as we can say, hey, Americans, a lot of them don't have defined, refined post games. That's fair. But they have been playing professional basketball in Europe, in France, at the pro A level. And oh yeah, by the way, they're not seven foot three. Like he didn't just grow like last week. And so you're trying to figure out like, what is he? He's a point center. He's much more comfortable on the perimeter. So the handle, which everybody freaked out about because we haven't seen seven foot three guys handle like that. That's great. But remember, if you can't score inside, if you're not strong enough to, and you don't like physicality, everything you do is going to have to be either getting by guys or getting over guys and they can get into you. So, obviously, he's going to have to add some speed, some strength. That'll come in time. I think he's working with Melvin Sanders, who's a, actually a former Oklahoma State Cowboy, former San Antonio Spur. Like, I'm all for it. I, I think that he's going to be fine there. I'm a little hesitant because of his hesitance towards physicality, right? Staying away from physicality, ooh, I don't love that. I really don't. Um, and... You know, the, the other part to it is the hands give me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies. And then you factor in, man, he's thin. And you just worry about him breaking in half. Like, that's a very reasonable thought. You look at a dude who's seven feet tall, maybe 200 pounds, and you worry. I guess there's two parts to it. One, it's in the process of putting on strength, in the process of putting on weight, uh, does he get hurt? And then two, it, when he eventually puts on weight, and they all do on different levels. It's like, I mean, look at Giannis now as opposed to Giannis when he was drafted. And I don't know, you know, body type wise, what it looks like. What He ends up being, you know, 230. He ends up being 250. And you're like, 250, that sounds like a load. He's seven foot three and a half. 250 pounds on him does not like look like 250 pounds on you and me. But I think the fascinating thing to keep an eye on is as he puts on strength, does his aggressiveness improve? Um, how, do they, how do they improve his hands? And maybe more than anything, can he change his mentality? Right? Because a pass-first mentality is great. Not in this alpha world of, of Summer League. And, oh yeah, by the way, you're the number one pick who, and it wasn't his fault, but dudes are like, 
if he's not a Kim, if he's a Kim Elijah one, it's a disappointment. You, you, you don't think that guys in the NBA are going to be coming at him for days and trying to dunk on him? I mean, he got dunked on last night by a, by a, a borderline NBA player. And it happens. You know, you're 7'3", you're going to get dunked on. Everybody's going to get dunked on. Everybody gets baptized. But it was not a great celebration, celebratory night like we've seen in Vegas many times over in the summer league. So it leaves us going like, what, do we, what did I just watch? You ever watch that? Like, what did I just watch? When you're told something's really good and you go and it has pieces of what could be really good and you want to understand it's a process, but the process may be a little bit earlier in the development stage than we thought heading in. That, that's a fair way to look at it. You know, I, maybe this is, I've never watched a movie with rough cuts. You know, when you go, you sit down and you watch the rough cut of movie and you thought you'd, you thought you're going to see like a whole movie and you're like, I don't know there. Plot is kind of weird. There's some scenes I want to cut out. You guys got to go back to work and rethink this thing. So I walk away thinking, and Scoot was impressive. If you've seen Scoot Henderson, you know, like that dude's body's a real deal. The question's going to be about his shooting. Really nothing else. Incredibly competitive player. Should be a competitive defensive player. I don't, I do think he kind of topped out in the G League, that there was improvement there, but maybe not the next step. And you're not playing super competitive games. So it's, it's hard to tell what he looks like. You play off basketball different than the regular season. But I, I, if I'm putting money down, I've told people for the last couple weeks, Scoot Henderson should be your pick for NBA Rookie of the Year because Portland's going to trade Damian Lillard. He's going to be given the ball. He's playing for a former scoring point guard and Chauncey Billups as his coach. And he's He's got a body. He's got a game. The only question is going to be his development in his jump shot. But early on in your NBA career, that in the regular season, that's not as big of a, a holdback as it is once you get to meaningful games. That's For me, that's my, that's my NBA Rookie of the Year. Uh, we'll see Chet Holmgren tonight. Uh, saw Chet play twice in Sacramento. A little stronger. Uh, the, here's the difference between Chet and Wembenyama. Now, here's, here's the biggest difference between the two. Chet is not strong enough, but Chet has some, here's the basketball expression, he's got some shit to him, right? Like, he sees the physicality and he goes to it. Webinyama was like, I, I want no part of that. You know, I want zero part of that. So, and look, he's also been here his whole life in terms of Chet. He's also spent a year in rehabbing and then training with Oklahoma City. So he's not blown away by the size, the physicality of it, but that mentality is the, the difference to him. And look, Chet still, Chet looks like he's gotta be a four because he's still still not strong. He's not explosive. He's gotta shoot, he shoots it well, but he's gotta shoot a little bit better. He's not going by guys. But again, like it, it changes when you get to real basketball because they put you in positions where you can succeed. Whereas here, you're kind of left to your devices. So the guys that are going to flourish the most are, one, guys that have played in the NBA. Look at the stats. Anybody who's played in the NBA is should be playing very well, averaging 15 to 20 points. It's like Keegan Murray. We're trying to get him on the pod, right? Like uh, Keegan Murray played for Sacramento in the Summer League, and he's putting up huge numbers. Jabari Smith, they asked him why he played. Like, he didn't have a great rookie season, but... This is a great place to where you can get 25 shots and you've seen all the coverages and at the end of the day, you've played in the NBA for a year, you're going to be way better than anybody playing G League or definitely playing college and international basketball. So we give Chet a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because 
like Blake Griffin, like so many of the other guys, due to injury, sat out a year, added strength. I still am a little cautious on Chet, uh, just because I don't know exactly what he is on offense. Like, is he a five? Is he a four? I do know the NBA is kind of evolving back to where you're playing two big guys. He absolutely can protect the rim, but is he physical enough to do that uh, at a high-level NBA game, considering Oklahoma City is a pretty high-level team? I, I think the issue with the holding me back from Chet being a rookie of the year is that he plays with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's going to average 30 a game. Right? He's playing on a legit NBA playoff team, and so you're not... Had he played this year, they would have had time to develop Chet and play him 25, 30 minutes, even if his play really didn't dictate that. Next year, Oklahoma City's kind of playing to win. Like, they don't need to... They don't need to tank anymore. They got the dudes. So I think... I, I think the smart pick is Scoot Henderson to be your rookie of the year. I'm not selling all my Victor Weminyama stock. I'm just telling you that at first glance, that's what it looks like. And there are a lot of people going, well, don't worry. He's got a couple games here. Okay. Um, I don't know how often you play basketball. Okay? But if you're not in shape for whatever level of basketball you're playing, and you play a game with that sort of energy. And that building was buzzing. There was great energy. It was on fire. What a great night for the NBA, right? To have, you know, two teams of guys that have maybe five guys on the court that are going to play in the NBA. And the place was packed. And it was a zoo. That sort of energy. And you saw he was completely out of gas in the second half. So I want you to imagine you being Victor Webanyama, seven foot three and a half, waking up this morning in his hotel suite. You know how sore he is? You know how tired he is? Oh, my God. And then you're like, hey, man, you got another game tonight. That doesn't really mean anything to anybody except, you know, to the NBA and the Spurs and to kind of your brand. I don't know if it's going to get much better. I think he'll, he'll hit a couple of shots. My guess is, just a guess, that he'll play. And if he's playing well, they'll ride it out. If he hits a couple of shots, they'll take him out. And at some point, probably after game three, they'll shut him down. The, the, after he plays well, hits a couple shots, they want to shut him down. And I don't think he plays a full season in the NBA. I, I know it's frustrating to all of us, but like this is what happens when you draft a seven foot three dude who's 19 years old, right? You got to develop him, and there's just not the time, even now. Like you get done, he's going to go back to San Antonio. He's probably at some point got to go back to France, get all his stuff. You know, he's not just moving here. And then he's going to start training. There's just not enough time. You, got, you start training camp in September. Right? It's mid-July already. So I think they'll use the first year as a toe in the water, not jumping into the deep end. He'll play on some made-for-TV games. And remember, he plays for the Spurs, who even when they were NBA champions, they didn't care about the league saying, hey, we're putting you on TV on a Friday night against LeBron and the Heat. They sat guys then. They'll sit him this year. So to me, if I'm betting, if I'm going to the window, the... Rookie of the year, most likely, you have to get the ball. You have to play minutes. You have to play in a team that's not going to win, right? It's Scoot Henderson. That's just the reality of it because we're all going to vote for a guy who puts up the best numbers, and the only guy who could maybe sneak into that conversation would be somebody like Chet because Chet can put up some ridiculous block shot numbers, some all-around stats. I just don't think he gets the volume of touches and the volume of stats 
because he's playing on a team that's really, really good. Do they need him? Yeah. Will he play? Yeah. Will he get the ball and score 20 game? Hell no. Shea Gildas-Alexander is that team's offense, and then they all kind of play around. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. couple Orange County kids up here, right? Josh Childress, Mayfair High School. I'm Tustin High School. Previous generation, okay? But Mayfair is that little window. You and Landry Fields, right? couple, I know Landry was, was low salle, but still, like, same sort of, pro, same little window of, of, of success. Stanford guys. Stanford guys Stanford as well, guys, yeah. right? Stanford guys, it's like the uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at the NFL. Like, even if the dumbest guy at Stanford, you walk into a room and be like, oh, Stanford guy, he's smarter than everybody else. Can you help me with my help me with my taxes, right? How, did that happen when you are in the league? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. Taxes, investment, I mean, anything. You just, you automatically qualify. I, I want to ask you about last night. I know you just got in town. You didn't watch. You weren't at the Wemby game. But it's more the, the difference in the style of basketball, right? Because you famously were playing the league, good player in the league, left and went to Greece. And I was trying to relay to people on how Victor Wembanyama is going to be fine, right? Absolutely. But it's a it's a completely different. It looks the same, smells the same, the court's the same length, three point lines almost the same now as opposed to when you played. It's mm -hmm. different. But it's a it's kind of a different sport. How would you compare and contrast the differences in playing at a high level in Europe and playing NBA style basketball? Look, I mean, European basketball is, is fantastic, but it's much more calculated. I think it's much less emphasis on, you know, fast break and getting out and scoring and much more on a structured game, uh, which is what he's played in. And, you know, coming into Summer League, of all things, uh, you know, Summer League is, is run and gun. It's, it's fast paced and, you know, guys are out there just trying to try to make plays. Um, you know, the game will slow down for him a little bit. It's his first game in Summer League. I don't think the Spurs are worried. I don't think he's worried. Uh, but uh, it is a it's a shift in the game for sure. When when you came out with summer league in Long Beach State, when I came out summer league, our summer league was in Salt Lake City. Oh, so so, so Salt Lake City Review, which they which they have now. Yeah. What's that feeling like of the first time you put on the logo? 
Oh man, the, the nerves, the butterflies, um, you know, you want to make sure you go out there and perform. Obviously you had a good training camp with the team, um, but uh, it's fun. I mean, we, we went out there, we had a young team, you, you know, it was, a, it was about four of us that were, you know, fresh out of uh, high school or early college. And uh, it was a fun time, man. Just getting out there and getting after it. Uh, the, the, the difference is when you first get to the league, right? And if you've ever been to the farm, you ever been to Stanford, you know, like, that's not real life, right? I didn't realize that well, until I left. <laughs> oh, okay, so, so, and for people who don't know, like, anybody who's been to Stanford, you tell them if I'm wrong, everybody, like, that's like the iconic, if you could be anywhere like that, people are, it's diverse, it's smart, uh, the facility, like, the everything's manicured perfectly, now you got coaches, they even live on campus, like, yeah. you, you got your whole life in this one epicenter, it's like a utopia. Yep. You're on your own. You're in Atlanta. What was it like? <laughs> Massive culture shock. I mean, you go from Orange County to Stanford and then to Atlanta. Uh, massive culture shock for me. Um, I had great teammates that helped me kind of get used to the culture, but um, it was a different world. And especially leaving Stanford, as you mentioned, it's it's its own little bubble that is unlike anywhere else in the world. Uh, and so going from there to Atlanta, which was high energy, it was uh, entertainment capital at the time. Uh, we had a, had a fun four years, for sure. People, I, I think, when they, when they Google you or hoop, hoop heads, remember like, oh, you left the league and went to went to, went to Greece. Kind of, it, it was a very unique path. Yep. Why? Two reasons. Uh, one, I didn't have a contract on the table here in the league. Uh, and then secondly, um, I'm, I'm always been open to trying something new. And I went over there, I visited, I always wanted to visit Greece um, and wanted to take on a new challenge. But I think had I had a contract on the table, I mean, maybe that doesn't happen. So you get there and you're playing for one of the powerful teams in all of Europe. Which I didn't know at the time. I mean, you, you didn't know. You only know, you can see what you see in you know YouTube and the internet wasn't the internet back yeah, then. Yeah. So you see a few things on TV and on, on the internet, but I didn't really understand the power of Olympiacos. You also did not think understood like even training camp. Oh no. Okay, we, so we went to the mountains. Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so, so training camp in Atlanta was at the facility. At the facility. Once a day. Once a day. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it was couple weeks we had some, some you know some track time and you know early or late summer um, just to get you know get in shape get conditioned but you know for the most part it was pretty relaxed and I had a, a coach Mike Woodson who was old school old school old head, but yeah. you know still it was it was once a day and we went we went hard Do you have a woody impression by the way everybody has a woody impression <laughs> I can't curse on, on air so I'll just leave it at that <laughs> for, for, you can curse this is podcast you can say whatever you can say whatever, say whatever you want that's the beauty of the podcast uh, is you can you can drop that box. I'll leave Woody alone. Okay, fair, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So you go to Olympiacos, right? This is a big, big thing that Josh Childress is going to Olympiacos yeah. and leaving the NBA. And they're like, training camp is in the mountains. In the mountains. Took a, a three-hour bus ride to the mountains. Yes. It was just us in the resort, so no, no hanging out, no, no other uh, source of activities. Yeah, we were just there for like three weeks. And and uh, again, I did this in Russia, so I'm guessing like some sort of running in the morning and maybe lifting, and then you shoot for like an hour. Yeah. And then you go, then you go have lunch, take a nap, and then you go like two and a half in the evening. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. It's a tough schedule. Yes. It's a tough. And we had our our um, strength coach, you know, our strength conditioning coach. Spent some time in the league, so he had a little bit of seasoning in what you know league training looked like. 
So, you know, we were a little bit advanced from that perspective, but it's still, it's a, it's a, it's a grind. Was there a point you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> no, but you settle in. I had some good vets. Uh, guy Lynn Greer was, was my sure. vet my first year and uh, loved Lynn and, and had some good guys around me. So it was cool. What, uh, was was Powell the big the, the who's well, that was the big rival? Yeah, Powell the Nikos the big. So rival. so again, and and this is hard for people to comprehend because when you were at Stanford, that was one of the iconic places to play, right? You had the bouncy floor, yeah, and you know Tiger came to the games, yeah. and, and like it was crazy. Now you look at Stanford, it's kind of sad. Like it's like my alma like, Don't draw really well. Yeah, but uh, Olympiacos versus Powell, what is that atmosphere like? Uh, it's unlike anything you will ever see in the U.S. Uh, I mean, I, I think, imagine uh, Cameron Indoor against UNC on steroids and on HGH and on <laughs> everything else you can imagine. I Did mean, they have dudes burning flares up in the burning stands? Burning flares. Like, my first game there, um, we, <laughs> you know, they have the, the barriers behind the yeah. bench. Um, and the, the guy shot a flare through the barrier and hit our towel bag. So our towel bag is on fire. We're trying to come the country in the game, and it's just this massive fire growing on, on, on the side of the bench. So it was like a, a rude awakening into European basketball. Uh, how did you learn the language? I didn't. I learned enough to order food. Okay. So, so was, what was, was your what was your what was your favorite thing? <laughs> uh, my favorite thing uh, it was I had these chicken skewers that I used to yeah. just crush. Um, but I like they had the, the the fries with the feta that was really good, mm. like the Greek style mm. fries, pretty good. And then I know Fadi so you just say thank you all right, the time. Exactly. <laughs> just thank you, thank you, th- thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Um, then you kind of bounced around, right? You did the Australia thing. You did Japan. You came back to the states. You tried the G League. How would you characterize like the the rest? Because what happens is you made the move to Greece. We tracked you. Then you had great play in in the Euro League stuff. And then people, you know, they go back to. How would you characterize that those that last those last stops? Yeah, I mean, I I, I came back to Phoenix after Greece uh, for a couple of years and then got released. Um, you know, I was a little bit nomadic in that in that last uh, last little bit of my career, uh, but I enjoyed it. I, I went to some countries I never imagined being able to go to and play in, and I had a great time and happy with how it all ended. Coolest place you can like? You close your eyes, like, man, this is the coolest place I ever played. Not necessarily a home game. You just yeah. you played in a. I mean, Sydney. We were playing. You know, we walk outside after the game. You, you see the Opera House. It's great weather. It's you know, great fan base. It was, it was a great time. Plus, people are. They seem so chill there. Like during a game, super physical, right? But afterwards, it's like, hey, let's let's go have a pint. And ironically, I had Olympiacos fans in Sydney, so they would come to the game chanting the Olympiacos chant. So it was a, it was a great time. Um, when you made the move back to the NBA, you know, so oftentimes I think guys that play in a high level of college and they go play kind of the mid-level in Europe, they struggle because it's just, you don't feel it, you're not tied to the team, you don't have the emotions to it, you're, you're leaving behind. Mm-hmm. You play at a great club in Europe where they're firing flares and it's nuts. <laughs> you come back and play for the Suns, you're not playing nearly as much. Yeah. What, was, what were those emotions like for you? It was tough, it was tough. I mean, that was the first time in my career I didn't play. And, uh, you know, dealing with that and not having, um, you know, really a path forward was challenging. And then after that, you know, depending on how you position yourself and you land, you're, you kind of bounce around because people question why you didn't work out there and got to be, you know, mindful of the right fit. And so I wasn't able to find that right fit in the league. Uh, but, you know, I went overseas and, and had a good time. What is it like to come to the conclusion? Done. Uh, 
it's different for every guy. I mean, you for, for you, you know, for me, it was uh, I felt good about it. Fifteen years total. So I had a great, great career, great do you time. Remember, do you remember where you were? Was there like a moment where you're like, mm, that's uh, it? No. Uh, well, I had a started a family, and so at that time, I, you know, being overseas and not having your family with you was tough. So that was tough. So did you have a plan? I did. So I got injured in New Orleans. Um, left, got, had to get surgery, and then went back and finished at Stanford. So that was five years before uh, I was done. Uh, so I, I kind of started the planning process then. And what was what was the plan in your mind? Just, I, you know, be a business owner, start my own business, um, which is what I do now. I have a real estate investment firm. And, um, you know, just continue to build on the foundation that I laid over the 15 years, um, you know, and, and build something that I can be proud of and pass down to my kids, um, you know, in the future. And, and commercial real estate or, or, or uh, residential? So we, we build uh, and invest in apartments, apartment buildings on the West Coast. So we have a nice project here in Vegas. Yeah. And, and does it, when you wake up in the morning, does it still bring you like joy and energy to do it? I mean, it's more stressful. I'll say that. <laughs> you know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, just a wide range of other variables that you didn't ever imagine. And, uh, you know, I'm also dealing with other people's money, which is, you know, stressful in itself. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's been fun. It's been a journey. I'm looking forward to growing it, but um, it's a different kind of stress. What's the, what's the hardest part about it? What's the most challenging element to it. I'll say this. I mean, you, you experienced this in your career too. You're always in a position where people are chasing you, you know, and looking after you and you get the, road, the red carpet rolled out and, you know, you very rarely hear no's, maybe toward the end of your career, you yeah. know, as things wind down. Uh, but, you know, starting a company, raising capital, like I heard hundreds of no's uh, and it was challenging because historically I had never heard that, you know, and it's, it's about that resilience. So that's a, that's a, that's an awesome way to pivot and have this conversation um, because we're giving kids more yeses than ever before. Yeah. And uh, one of my dear friends is a high-ranking offensive coordinator in college football, and he's like, look, I know that people thought college kids had it bad before they're getting paid, but it's going to be worse. And I, I, I asked him to kind of flesh it out, and he's like, you know, look, if you're giving a kid 150, 200 grand to play a sport in college, they get out of college, they think that's their that's the bar. That's their <laughs> mark. Like, that ain't real life, bro. Yeah. That ain't real life at all. Yeah. So having having been through it, obviously you had to be an incredible student and student athlete to go to Stanford, but then to come back to Stanford as well. Like that takes a different sort of stuff. And now as an adult with kids, what's the what's the best like let's just take basketball. Now you have NIL in college, but also there's NIL in high school. Yeah. Dudes can go to overtime elite. They're expanding. You got G League Ignite. If I put you in charge, I say, Josh, you've lived it. What do you do? How did can you can you go straight from high school to league? Uh, Silver's the only one pushing that one. Do you do you go back to the old college system? Can you transfer without penalty? What do you do? I wouldn't. I wouldn't allow players to come straight out of high school to the league. I think there there needs to be a year stopgap somewhere, um, just to, to get a foundation on how to be a pro. College is that for some people. G League night, overtime elite, the NBL, uh, which is a uh, league I'm involved in. Uh, but there needs to be a, a stopgap. Secondly, um, I think there needs to be more formation of. Uh, education around finances for these kids. This one thing, they're getting paid, they're using their name, image, like just to do that, that's fair, that's fine. Um, but, you know, if you're putting a hand, you know, 200 grand in the hands of a 17-year-old, 
they're going to do stupid stuff. And there needs to be, I think, a more a, a better and more intentional foundation around that. Help them educate themselves and, and create, um, you know, less just wild, wild west sort of strategy for, for a lot of these teams. I think that's a great point. You mentioned you're involved with the NBL. They have th- their program is starting to get players from America. Yeah. What is unique about it as opposed to the Ignite, as opposed to Overtime Elite? I say the NBL um, is probably one of the closest in terms of just how the game translates from there to the NBA that I've seen. And I played there for three years. I know it. Uh, and now we've had success. We've had year over year, we've had guys come over either, you know, just guys that were in the league or the LaMelo Balls and the RJ Hamptons and, you know, the kids that got drafted for over the past couple of years that have come in the league and had success. And that's just a testament to the league. They've grown it the right way. Um, you know, you get a true season of strength conditioning and, you know, Australian sports science is one of the top in the world. Uh, and the coaching over there is great. And there's a lot of, you know, connectivity to the, to the NBA. So I think that the NBL needs to have more players come over, um, you know, because the league is fantastic and it's growing. It, it, it really is. Okay. So for you, you're here, you got your real estate stuff and you're in town. What else are you doing in Vegas? Come watch some games. Oh, yeah. I want to hang out. Who are you most excited to see? Uh, I want to see more Brandon Miller. Um, I mean, Wimby, everybody wants to see Wimby, but I, I think I'm intrigued to see what, you know, what Jordan saw in him, you know, over, over Scoot. So it's a, it's a really interesting question because Scoot, I think Scoot's going to be a rookie of the year. Um, you know, I mean, guy's an unbelievable athlete. He can get by. It's hard to keep him out of the lane. Yep. You know, I don't know what, what his shooting ends up looking like. It'll be better than it is now. That's probably the one limiting factor. Um, and size and leagues just get bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously built like a grown man, but, you know, 6'2 and a half, 6'3. Who knows? Uh, my thoughts on Brandon Miller, and I'd love to hear it after you watch him, is I like the idea. I, th- I think what Jordan saw is, one, he's got LaMelo Ball, and they're pot committed there, mm-hmm. right? Paying him nearly a quarter billion dollars. Yep. <laughs> pot committed. So he'll be great because he's he was 60% shooter on just catch and shoot at Alabama. Now, college three, but clearly has NBA range. Yep. And has all of the things that would be, you check the box in terms of a modern-day NBA defense player, length, athleticism, intelligence, has enough toughness, has some shit to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the question of can he be a star, well, that's different now, right? Can you can he be a three-level scorer? In the league, that that one I don't I don't know about, and it'll be interesting because he's a guy who made a seismic jump in his draft stock during his year at Alabama. But it's hard because you know when you're playing in college, you're not necessarily playing against pros. Right. Whereas Scoot is playing against pros. Right. So it's 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 going to be an interesting. Yeah. No, but I mean, the cream rises to the top, and you you know you see a kid like that, he has all the physical gifts. Uh, seems like, um, you know, on, on his game side, I haven't seen him play enough, but I've seen enough to see he, he's got it. It's just a matter of can he put it together and can they put the right support system around him to maximize his talent. LaMelo is great. you got to have some vets in the locker room kind of help guide all those guys. Um, you know, we've seen some issues in locker rooms here recently because of that. Um, so hopefully they do a good job in creating support around him. Uh, how much do you like watching Jokic play? Love it. I love it. This, <laughs> I mean, and, and telltale, you know, of playing in Europe, you have these guys that are super talented, probably on your team, have no interest in coming to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, but just can hope. And I just, he's that for me. Yeah, and they do the, the awkward stretching stuff yeah. they do, <laughs> you know, and it looks funky. It's not what we're used to, yeah. but it's really effective. Yeah. 
It was. It was. I. I thought that would that be a guy that you. you I love it. You, I love enjoy. it. And, and you know his approach to the game, and and I watched a ton of the playoffs with him. Just the fact that a guy at that stature can go into the game first quarter, not even attempt a shot, you know, on purpose, just to make sure his teammates are getting involved and everybody's getting involved, and then you know, last three quarters just turn it up. That's just a testament to his talent. If you could, and uh, again. I mean, there's probably a million things you could say, but say there's a high school kid out there and he's fascinated with you, your path, your success, personally, professionally. What would be the advice you give him? Reach out to me. <laughs> How? You know, social, social media. media. Yeah, social media. Easy. But um, I'd say the other thing is um, educate yourself on you know, the business of the league. I think that that's super important. Um, you know, these guys, you mentioned LaMelo, these guys are going to be billionaires. And you get a couple of these guys that will get two or three contracts over the next, you know, 10 years. These are, are, the game has changed a bit. And so just being mindful of that, educating yourself on the finances and the business behind it um, is one of the biggest pieces of advice. What, what, what percentage, again, this is just your perspective, of players value that education piece? And I say it because I think we do a terrible job in the media of expressing any sort of interest in it. But it's like all the things you're saying are like, you know, you should educate yourself. And we, I agree, we should have some pretty professional program for college basketball players on agents, taxes, investments, all this stuff that we should teach as opposed to like, do I really need to go into, you know, social sciences? And like, that's not gonna help me. Right. You know, high level math is not gonna help me. Right. Tell me how I, I can manage my money and manage my life. But, you know, you lived it. What percentage of NBA players do you think value that side of it? Not just the business side of it, but the understanding and educating themselves on everything going on. I think years probably one to five, 15 to 20%. Um, when you get, you know, year seven to 12, you know, probably ticks up to 60 to 70%. So it's just a matter of age. I mean, you, you come in the league, you're invincible. You can do no wrong. All your boys are around you, um, you know. It's, it's a different sort of mentality. Do you miss the baby fro? <laughs> I can grow it back. I know, but you don't have <laughs> no, it. I don't now. miss it. You don't, don't miss it. it? I don't miss it. Too much work? Too much work. Too much work. Hey, Josh, man, it's great catching up with you. Same here. Congratulations on all your success, personally it. and professionally. I appreciate it. Three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.